Can I pray for us? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, please open your word to our hearts and your hearts to our word. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, thanks, uh, Adam, for the first slide. Do you see and feel a darkness descending upon Australia and the Western world? I certainly do. I believe it's a spiritual darkness and I've tried to capture some of the signs of it and you'll no doubt have thought of your own. But when you see all of those together in the one place like that, it's very disturbing, isn't it, for us as Christians? What are we to do? Are we to give up and go with the flow? Is that what we're to do? No. Some whole denominations seem to be doing that at the moment, don't they? Cynthia, thank you for saying no. <laughs> uh, are we to become super cynical? Here's an idea. Maybe we Christians could all move down to Antarctica and set up a Christian colony down there. We could call ourselves the Frozen Chosen. <laughs> You've got plenty of practice living in the New England. What are we to do? It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Would you like to see what lighting a candle looks like? And I'm not talking about the candle on the communion table. How you can bring light the light of Christ into your own family, your own neighbourhood, community, the town, Australia, the world. Would you like to see what that looks like? Yeah. Then would good. Would you then please open your Bible to Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter four? I'm sorry, I didn't think to grab the page number for the church Bible, but there'll be a a very fast Bible flipper who will find it for us and call it out. 1185. Please come and see me at my VCA table afterwards. I've got a prize for you. <laughs> Page 1185. Colossians chapter 4. The world was a dark place in Paul's day, wasn't it? Uh, immorality, uh, slavery was systemic. Uh, idolatry was everywhere. Paul is in prison for the gospel. And he's writing to this church because it's been infected with a dark heresy. And it's into such a world that God's word comes. You know, I believe our... Western world today is returning to pre-Christianity days. Our moral and spiritual landscape is fast resembling that of the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day. And it's into such a world that God shows the Colossian church and this church what lighting a candle looks like. Thanks, Adam. 
Firstly, pray for the gospel. Persevere in watchful, thankful prayer. Please have a look with me at the text, chapter 4 and verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. What does the New Testament envisage us Christians watching out for? The Lord's coming. He is coming with judgment and with salvation, with wrath and glory. In light of that day and the obvious connection between verse 2 and 3 and those two verses' connection with verse 4, we're to be watchful or, if you like, alert to mission challenges and opportunities, praying about both. Now, would you say that you are devoted to this sort of prayer? Is this congregation, is your home group? What you are in prayer is what you are. What you are in prayer is what you are. Am I? Are you? Is this congregation, your home group, devoted to watchful, thankful gospel prayer. God is saying here, diligently persevere in prayer, especially prayer for the gospel to grow. Jesus is coming to judge and save. So you see, we don't just pray for rain in drought. I hope with me that you are praying for widespread repentance in the drought and, of course, widespread rain. We don't just pray for healing when someone we know is afflicted with a serious illness, but we pray that that illness would lead to faith in Christ. If they're Christian, we pray that that illness would refine their faith. We don't just pray for comfort for the bereaved, but for the recognition of their own mortality and the wonder of the gospel. And according to verse 2, soak your prayers in humble thanks for being among the saved. Is this congregation, is the prayer of this congregation, is your praying at home soaked in thankfulness 
It ought to be the first thing that you say to God. Thank you. Thank you for being such a glorious God. And thank you that you have chosen me to be among your people forever. Loved, justified, one day glorified. If not, if that doesn't characterise your praying, if you've lost sight of the wonder of grace, then it follows that you won't be very thankful and it further follows that you won't be devoted to thankful, humble, devoted prayer for the lost and for the gospel to grow. Personal prayer, notice, is vital to mission, including prayer for gospel workers. Where do I see that in the text? Where do I see that? Prayer for gospel workers, verses 3 and 4. Notice Paul doesn't ask prayer for God to open the prison door. That's how we would ask prayer for, for prayer, isn't it? If we were languishing in prison, oh, please pray that God would get me out of here. No! Rather, Paul prays for a gospel opportunity door. He prays for the gospel to advance in prison. You see, Paul knows that God is sovereign over all things, including his prison. So notice we pray that God may open a door for the gospel. In another letter, Paul says that he is chained, but that God's word is not chained. Isn't that good? God's gospel is unstoppable in the world. In fact, one of the places that God is clearly working in Australia at the moment is prisons. Thanks, Adam. Uh, BCA has been supporting for the last 10 years the ministry couple up in Wickham and Roeburn in the Pilbara region of northwestern Australia. There is a prison in Roeburn. And our field staff reported at Easter, this past Easter, that no less than 30 inmates turned up for the Good Friday service. And that there are a growing number of them coming to the weekly Bible study in the prison. Inmates are really engaging with the gospel and putting their trust in Jesus. You see, might we pray for ministries like this that the door would remain open for the gospel to advance for broken lives to be transformed 
by the Word and Spirit of God. In these verses, Paul has thrown a hand grenade into the way that we think about prayer. Please notice that it's a real partnership in gospel work. My wife Julie and I once supported an Australian couple working as missionaries in Senegal, West Africa. And they used to refer to their prayer supporters as their air force. I like that. You see, our prayers for gospel workers are a real partnering with them in the work. God uses our prayers. They are a vital part of his mission that you are partnering with here in Inverell, in Australia, through Bush Church Aid and across the world. Do you need to be more intentional and organised with mission prayer? Especially prayer for places where it is especially dark, where people are less reached, where churches are less resourced, if not already, might your home group adopt a gospel ministry family or couple and become a part of their air force? In this dark world, we must pray for the advance of the gospel and gospel workers. And thanks, Adam, notice also that we must live the gospel. Where do I see that in the text? Verse 5. Have a look with me. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Living wisely is living the gospel. I want you to notice from the text that unbelievers are referred to as outsiders. That doesn't mean they're outside the church building this morning. It means they're outside the kingdom of God and under the wrath of God. Do you believe that? When you do, God expects you and this congregation to live wisely towards them. And in a passage burdened about mission, God is saying here, live out the gospel so that your lives and the life of this church commend the gospel. Do you need to start thinking that way? Either our lives commend or condemn God and the gospel. The 
horrendous scandal of child sexual abuse in our own denomination, including in the diocese where I'm presently licensed in Brisbane. Uh, apart from the appalling um, sin that it is against the victims and their families and friends, mindful of our Old Testament reading this morning in Ezekiel chapter 36, that horrendous scandal is discrediting and dishonouring God and the Gospel. But you know what? So does church conflict. And there's way too much of that. And what about bad Christian marriages? What about subpar Christian parenting? What about Christians living much the same as the outsider? Way too many of those. See, our dark world desperately needs Christians and Christian leaders and churches that are a shop window. They look through the window, so to speak, and what do they see? They look through the window of your corporate life and of your own personal life and they desperately need to see authentic, gospel-soaked communities and lives. In other words, my brothers and sisters, we need to be true to our own truth. We need to be true to our own truth. Paul adds in verse 5, making the most of every opportunity. Don't waste opportunities to be salty and life-giving. Is there a very real, practical, physical need in Inverell at the moment that you, this congregation or your parish or your home group could be meeting? Or you're in the market for a SUV and you've got your choices down to the top of the range, what? Uh, let's go for a Mercedes-Benz SUV or a, a somewhat more modest Toyota RAV4. You're a Christian who believes the gospel. What are you going to do? You have the opportunity to show all the outsiders in your life that you have a treasure in heaven. That your chief investment in this world and life is not things, but people and the gospel reaching them and building them and saving them for all eternity. You see? Keep living out the gospel as if you actually believe it. As if 
the Lord Jesus really is risen from the dead. And returning to judge and save. You see, this too is a vital part of mission. Am I? Is our church helping or hindering people coming to Christ? Helping or hindering? Thanks, Adam. In this dark world, we must pray for the gospel, live the gospel, and very briefly, please notice from verse 6 that we must speak the gospel. Verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, in the immediate context, it seems the conversations Paul has in mind are essentially gospel ones. The end of verse 6, notice, envisages outsiders asking after our beliefs and behaviour. Hence the importance of verse 5. Do you see the connection? Hey, Samantha, why didn't you go for the Mercedes-Benz SUV? Why the RAV4? And you get to explain the gospel, don't you? Hey, John, why don't you look at pornography like all the rest of us seem to be doing? Hey, Adam, why is your church looking out for people at the bottom of the heap in Inverell? And why are you always on about Jesus and the cross? You see? Then you have the privilege of being able to explain the reason for your hope. But notice we do that graciously and meaningfully. This too is a vital part of mission. It's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. On a Monday night in May, 1919, so how many years ago was that? Uh, yeah, a hundred years. Woohoo! Praise God. A hundred years ago now, 26 men and women met on a stormy Monday night in Sydney with a vision to take the light of the gospel to the Australian bush. To reach Australia for Christ. Thanks, Adam. <coughs> what a wonderful vision. And that night, the Bush Church Aid Society of Australia was formed as an independent Anglican mission. And a gospel candle was lit that by the grace of God has now burned brightly for 100 years. Praise God. And from the beginning... BCA has looked for gospel-driven men and women who leave behind cities and extended families. Thanks, Adam. 
and over the and one more tap. Over the last century, BCA has looked for uh, for uh, gospel-driven men and women, and they've gone out pioneering, inspiring ministries. Uh, did you know that BCA had the first flying padres in far western New South Wales, uh, based in Wilcannia? Do you know what the life expectancy, the average life expectancy is today for an Aboriginal Australian living in Wilcannia? I hope you do know the answer to that. It's 37. I'm not talking about 100 years ago. I'm talking about right now. And we've long been concerned for our first Australians and, of course, for the West beyond the range. First ever flying padres. Do you know BCA have Australia's only complete flying medical service? We had our own planes, pilots, radio operators. We had bush hospitals and uh, Nancy, you were one of our bush nurses. If you do yourself a favour and get hold of some of the histories of our bush nurses, they were the most inspiring women. I hope I haven't embarrassed you, nurse Nancy, too much. Uh, they single-handedly ran these hospitals uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, we had nurses, we had doctors, we had uh, a dental centre, we had a pharmacy. And do you know those hospitals were also the spiritual hub of the entire area. Those nurses would run Bible studies, youth outreach, Sunday schools, uh, really inspiring stuff. Thanks, Adam. These are the first, uh, one more tap. These are the first two women to travel in the outback in a motorised van. Grace and Madeline, very courageous women. Do you know, can you see the van in the background? That fully self-contained motorised van was the forerunner to our modern motorhome. Didn't know that, did you, about VCA? And these two women were, the sight of these two women was almost unbelievable to the outback women who'd lived in complete isolation for years. Thanks, Adam. On one visit, the woman who rushed to the door was almost fainting. You know why? She hadn't had a visitor in four years. And she was overwhelmed to be given a copy of her own New Testament and one for each of her five sons. And uh, Grace and Madeline didn't know, but God knew that this woman was still grieving the loss of her only daughter. And there they were, these two uh, deeply devoted Christian women who brought the comfort that women can bring to other women in grief and, of course, the comfort of the gospel. And they've got many stories like that. Thanks, Adam. I love this photograph. 
Uh, we, BCA ran a mailbag Sunday school for 50 years. We would send out scripture lessons to thousands of children in the outback. I meet people. In fact, I was speaking at your cathedral in Armidale on our centenary Sunday and I showed that photograph and a couple of people came up to me after the service and said, I was one of those students and I've still got my marked lessons at home. And do you know what our volunteers are doing around that table? They're marking the lessons and then they'll put them back in the envelope and send them back to the students. That young woman at the far right hand end of the table, I'm sure she featured in a season of Downton Abbey. What do you think? <laughs> Thanks Adam. Today BCA still goes any distance that God requires to take his gospel and his love out. You'll know some of these people uh, on the field. Some of them are in your diocese. And uh, many of them are leading churches like Adam is. Uh, some are planting churches where there are no churches. Some are school chaplains in bush schools. Some are teaching scripture. Uh, many are working with children and young people and families and indigenous ministry workers. They sign up for a minimum four year term. Some stay much longer. Uh, many of our churches are the only church in the entire area or at least the only healthy church and so they're the church for any denomination. Presbyterians, Pentecostal, it doesn't matter. Uh, thanks Adam. We're presently supporting four Aboriginal uh, Christian ministry couples and you'll know the Fergusons in the top right of the corner. I hope you know George and Carmel. They're working in St Peter's, South Tamworth. George is the Aboriginal ministry trainee there and uh, doing a fine job working in the schools and uh, uh, leading the Coaldale. I hope you've heard of the Coaldale Front Yard Outreach. Uh, BCA has supported that from the beginning and that's really growing. Do you know that started out with just a handful of people, local Aboriginal people, turning up to the elders' front yard on a Wednesday night to hear the gospel preached, sing some gospel songs and have a feed. Just a handful of people when the chambers started doing that. Do you know there are now about a hundred adults and children coming every Wednesday night for that outreach? It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And I'll finish by showing you how you can partner with Bush Church Aid to keep the gospel candle burning in the bush. Thanks, Adam. The most important thing that you can do is to pray. Remember our text this morning? Here is a very real way that you can be devoted to gospel praying. Sign up for our prayer notes. Get them sent out quarterly or emailed daily. And be devoted to praying for our mission couples and families on the field. Uh, you can sign up at my table today 
or you can do that at home on our website. Thanks, Adam. Uh, giving money, of course, means that we can pay for all of those workers and all the new fields that God brings us to into the future. And uh, I'm most grateful, Adam, for the support that this um, that your parish uh, gives to BCA uh, each year. It's, it's very generous and it's very much appreciated. I, we really appreciate the strength of the money box group here. And if you don't have a money box, then, uh, and if you're interested in taking one this morning, uh, please come and see me and I'll sort you out with that. That's a really simple way uh, to support us financially. Thanks, Adam. This is our new distance giving program. Uh, it's a monthly direct debit where you get to choose the amount and it can be as little as the cost of a cup of coffee a week. That's $240 a year, which makes a difference to our uh, capacity to do our work. If you're interested in that, uh, there's a brochure actually inside your show bag as, as there is also a copy of our prayer notes. Thanks, Adam. Please uh, don't leave everything to the kids and the cat when you die. Please remember our text and please uh, continue to be devoted to mission uh, when you've gone to glory and you might remember BCA and that brochure too is in your show bag. Thanks, Adam. Uh, there's all the different ways that you can serve with BCA, including BCA Nomads. If you're interested in that, uh, I've got brochures on my table. And thanks, Adam. There's all the different ways. It's a bit mind-boggling, isn't it? All the different ways that you can follow uh, online uh, BCA today. And I've got info packs on my table and if you grab one of those, you'll have, together with your show bag, everything you need to know. Very quickly, before I sit down, I've brought with me copies of our beautifully produced centenary coffee table book, Never Too Far, Never Too Few. It's full of fantastic photographs from the archives of the work and the workers and, it's, and the great stories from over the last 100 years. They're $40 but they're a great uh, coffee table book and would make a wonderful gift. And I've also brought with me our new BCA Christmas cards. Uh, come and get those if you're interested. Uh, thanks, Adam. Last slide. So together, brothers and sisters, let's continue to push back the darkness in the bush and keep the gospel candle burning brightly until Christ returns for the good of the bush and for the glory of God. Amen.